Hey y'all, it's Baldo here, and I want to help you unlock your next level potential with a discounted ticket to this year's Howdy Health Fest happening in December. Use code HDYHPOD25 and enjoy a weekend filled with world-class biohacking products, top health experts, movement, connection, and recovery, and maybe even some ice baths and some nice sauna time. Remember, this year's festival is December 2nd through 4th. It's going to be an exciting time. We are committed, committed to you to bring you the best experience that your health can achieve. All right, well, guys, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. This is another episode that we're super excited to to get in touch with Douglas Bertram. He is the founder of Structure Elements. And here's what I'm really excited about talking to you about is like the whole concept of Chinese medicine and the idea that it's coming back around, right? And I think that I think that there's people that are leading the way. And, and from what I've been reading on your bio and all that, I, I think that you're one of them. And so I definitely want to get into that here in a second. But obviously we have Nurse Doza here and we will probably talk about all the energetics because he's also a chiropractor. So I know that him and I have always geeked out on that. I even got to do a book on, uh, what, what was that? Uh, what do you call it? Oh, it was applied kinesiology. Applied kinesiology. So that was a lot, that was a lot of fun to get into. And, and I'm Tex-Mex Yogi, but uh, Douglas, if you want to give the viewers and the listeners a, a quick rundown about who you are, little bio and just more information. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's always good to get deep into conversations with other people that are passionate about helping people thrive. So that's kind of the name of the game. I mean, I've been standing over a table for close to 30 years now, right? I started off as a massage therapist right out of high school and then practiced all through, went to undergrad at a Buddhist college in Boulder, Colorado, and then went to grad school in California for Chinese medicine. So you know, my, my family that are all attorneys, they just think like I have like horns growing out of my head or something, you know, but, <laughs> but now that I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've, you know, started a franchise system and built multiple clinics and trained thousands of people and all that, you know, they don't, they don't uh, poke, poke as much fun as they used to, but, but no, it's been a good ride, man. Um, I'm an admitted, uh, complete nerd, especially around tissue science. I have a, a pretty respectable resume of, of endurance athletics. I've, I've done about 35 marathons, a bunch of 50 milers, some hundred mile runs and about three Ironmans. And so I just am ultimately fascinated by how the human body does things. It's kind of uh, what drives me. I'm a sucker for an underdog. You know, I love triumph. It's the one thing that'll make me cry. And, and I just like to see people achieve the unthinkable. So I'll stop at pretty much nothing to get my patients to see success and and what they've put their mind to. So yeah, that's me. You know, I'm, I'm here in Northern Maryland, uh, still in practice, but uh, a lot of my time is is just running and growing the company these days. Yeah, I love it. You're a practitioner always first, aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep, for sure. Yeah, that's that's the street cred piece, right? You can't lose that. No, of course not, right? But I think it's deeper with you. I think you really enjoy what you do. Definitely. I mean, and this isn't like to be egotistical. I always tell anybody that works in our clinics, you check your ego at the door and it's an open door policy. When you can't figure something out, you knock on the door next to you, you get a second set of eyes. But we, we do, we change lives. And it's not through like some crazy trade secret. It's through using common sense. And some of that common sense revolves around that the body is an intelligent system capable of healing itself. And 
when you get out of the way of that process and just set it up for success, it's amazing what the body is capable of doing in terms of self-correcting and regenerating. And we don't empower our people to be set up for that in our current healthcare system. It's really about seeking answers outside of yourself. And as soon as you kind of tap into to helping people find a few simple mechanisms in their body that helps the body to self-regulate, it's amazing the pivot that you'll see. And, and, and that never gets old. It's like, I can do that every day for the rest of my life and be super fulfilled. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm curious, as you've developed your technique over the years, I'm sure it's evolved. Walk us through a typical session with you. What could we expect? So we combine, you know, if you kind of like drew like a Venn diagram of, you know, manual therapy and physical therapy and chiropractics and Chinese medicine, and you know, this, where all these things overlap. I mean, because we have practitioners in our practice of all of those different licensures, right? So we have chiropractors, we have physical therapists, we have acupuncturists, we have massage therapists, we have athletic trainers, but we all practice structural elements. And the overlap there is, is it's a lens that we view the body through, okay? It's, it's more of a philosophy than a technique. And ultimately, we look at the whole body as a system, right? Not as a series of parts. Like we say, we treat the athlete, not the injury. It's you look at the body as one unit that's interconnected. We don't have sciatic patients and we don't have plantar fasciitis patients and we don't have shoulder patients. We have patients, we have people, right? And those people have conditions that are oftentimes secondary to an initial imbalance in the body. And so we don't just treat the pain or treat the complaint. We balance the whole system, right? And that's, I think, the biggest difference is how we approach the body. So you're going to start everybody with obviously, you know, taking a thorough uh, history and having a good conversation about what you're experiencing and how you've been using your body. But also we're going to identify what your goals are, right? Okay, so if you didn't have this knee pain, what would life look like? What would you actually be doing with a healthy body right now? Oh, well, I would love to, you know, get back to running. Okay, perfect. Let's focus on getting you back to running. I'm not focusing on getting your knee pain to go away. I'm focusing on getting you back to running, right? So after going through an assessment of what somebody's in for and what their goals are, we'll then check them in standing. We'll look at their postural alignment. Starting at the ground, looking at the hind foot, and then looking at the pelvis to see if the pelvis is in balance, looking at their, their general posture. We're going to get them on the table. And then the one thing that is kind of proprietary to structural elements is we've actually mapped where the body forms what we call focal adhesions, uh, changes and compensations in the fascia between muscle layers in response to structural imbalances. So we're going to palpate around to figure out where they formed those adhesions and we've mapped them. So once we found them in one region, we know where they're going to exist systemically. A lot of our practitioners use needles, use dry needling to release and relax those adhesions. If I can take one small little tangent, I promise I won't do this endlessly throughout the show. But I do like to talk about the difference between acupuncture and dry needling. Because this is something. That was going to be one of my questions. <laughs> yeah, perfect. That was perfect. Be one of my questions. Yeah, so because I am an acupuncturist, right? I study Chinese medicine, but some of our other practitioners, chiropractors, PTs, athletic trainers have dry needling within their scope of practice, but there's no difference between what they do and what I do. So the term dry needling comes from control groups 
for studies done for the efficacy of injection therapy. Okay, so if you're going to do a cortisone injection, you need a control group to know whether that cortisone is actually having an impact or not. Okay, so one of your control groups is you're going to have a subset group who is going to receive an injection with no cortisone that is injected. Okay, so when you just stick the needle in, but you don't actually inject anything, the term is it's a dry needle. Okay, so what they found is that the dry needle group within studies for injection therapy had benefit, right? So there was actual benefit to just receiving the dry needle. It was actually staggeringly close to the, the group that was actually receiving the injectable, okay? But to use a hypodermic needle to perform this dry needling, there's increased tissue damage and bruising and trauma from a a hypodermic needle because it has a beveled edge to puncture veins, but it is also because it's hollow, there's more risk of infection and, and these things. So they decided, well, let's, if we're going to dry needle and we don't need to inject anything, let's use a solid needle, a filiform needle. And well, they've been around for a long time used in Chinese medicine, right? So when we talk about acupuncture, all acupuncture is, is dry needling. Okay. Acupuncture is just putting a needle in you're not injecting anything and you're putting it into an area. There's a ton of different reasons why people do acupuncture, okay? You can do acupuncture to try to release a tight muscle to get a muscle twitch and, and have it released. We call that not sure point in Chinese medicine. You can do acupuncture to try to improve circulation. You can do acupuncture to try to balance, you know, an organ system, right? But the term acupuncture is oftentimes confused with the practice of Chinese medicine. They're not the same thing because you have French auricular acupuncture, you have Korean hand acupuncture, you have Japanese acupuncture, you have all kinds of different systems that are using this dry needle for a number of different reasons, right? You have people that do facial acupuncture and try to free up collagen and reduce wrinkles. That has nothing to do with Chinese medicine, right? That's new age stuff, right? That's the use of a needle to try to, you know, improve the appearance of the face. So the big thing that I try to separate so people have context is that acupuncture, dry needling, exact same thing. The practice of Chinese medicine, that has a set of ideals around it of what you're trying to accomplish that doesn't necessarily need to get grouped into acupuncture alone, okay? I don't treat allergies. I don't treat infertility. I don't treat digestive you know, issues directly. You know, I treat orthopedic conditions, right? And we use the tool of an acupuncture needle or a dry needle. So I just, I just wanted to give that little, that little piece of context. So, you know, in our practice, we oftentimes will needle those uh, restricted points to improve the glide. It doesn't have anything to do with the poke of the needle. It has to do with the twist. When you twist the needle, you're actually wrapping collagen fibers around the shaft of the needle, like a fork and a plate of spaghetti, okay? It actually forms a mechanical coupling. So if you try to pull that needle back out, you're going to pucker the skin with it. What that does is it triggers a chemical shift from the connective tissue cell that allows for lubrication and more hyaluronic acid to enter into the extracellular matrix so that you improve tissue glide between muscle layers, right, along the fossil system. That makes it much easier to manipulate and to restore proper skeletal alignment to the body. So then we're gonna do manual therapy, we're gonna balance the pelvis, we're gonna balance the spine, Make sure all of the joints in the extremities are properly tracking and have normal movement patterns to them. 
And then after balancing a body, we're going to give strengthening and lengthening exercises for people to maintain that balance uh, between visits. So it, it's it's really pretty basic stuff. I mean, maybe there were some big words and some things that sounded, but really, it's a pretty common sense approach. It really is. Well, it's it's really interesting because uh, I was writing down some notes. My girlfriend's she's an acupuncturist as well, but I've never heard this detailed description of it. Right? She's always just been like, "Just sit down. I'm gonna do this for you." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. They're great." And and it works, right? Like whatever it is, well, and it could be like whatever she's doing, and I'm just kind of chilling, and that might be the reason, right? But I know that there's more to that, right? Because like studying the applied kinesiology, studying like the chakras or meridians, right? Meridians is something I wanted to get in because I know it's both something that, that I know you're very also very versed in, right? But are those channels all through the fascia? 100%. Meridians and fascial planes are the same thing. Here's one thing that's super helpful in terms of language. Look, I spent like 150 grand on my education, right? And I never got a good answer as to like, what is chi, right? Like everything, you know, it's like you have all these different answers. It's energy, right? And so you're balancing the energy. Well, what is the energy? You know, like, what is this stuff? So if you just change the wording out a little bit, and instead of thinking about this concept of chi, think about this or energy for those people that don't know what chi means. Swap that out for the word communication. Okay. So instead of improving chi flow, you're improving communication. Instead of unblocking chi, you're, you're restoring communication so that the body can communicate with itself. Okay. The fascia, and I'm going to talk about this just a little bit here as well. This is okay. Maybe I'm going to go on a bunch of tangents tonight. <laughs> I promise I wouldn't. Yeah, maybe, yeah, so maybe, maybe, maybe that's my MO tonight. You can talk about fascia in two different ways. You can talk about fascia as a tissue, and you can talk about fascia as a system, okay? There's many different types of fascial tissue. You have very thick fascia in, like, the thoracolumbar fascia of your low back and your plantar fascia of your foot and the ligaments minutia in the back of the neck and your IT band. These are very thick. You'll get some haters on Instagram that are like, you can't release the fascia. It's got the tensile strength of steel. Okay, great, but you're talking about one one type of fascia, okay? You're talking about dense, thick, irregular fascia, okay? And, and yes, it is very tough, but you also have, you know, like 17 different types of collagen fibrils that make up multiple fascial layers. You have fascia that surrounds every single muscle fascicle within a muscle bundle. You have fascia that separates one muscle from its neighbor along the intramuscular septa. You have fascia that's beneath the skin. You have fascia that surrounds the organs. You have fascia that surrounds the nerves. Actually, I just uh, was at, I call it the nerd convention in Montreal. It was the International Congress of Fascia Research. We were the gold sponsor up there. And they showed a picture of a nerve under an electron microscope. And all the nerve fibers were densely packed, well-organized layers of fascia. Okay, so even the nerve fibers. Okay, so fascia is how... The body passes electrical signal. It is how the immune system passes T cells around to uh, formulate an immune response. It is how the body communicates with itself. Okay, all the fascia is pre-stressed, and it is a bidirectional system of communication with the nervous system. And so, when you talk about fascia as a system, okay, it's an organ. It's the largest organ in the body, and it is an organ of communication. Okay, and that communication is the chi flow. Okay, the ability for my foot to communicate what it needs with my nervous system and my nervous system to tell my foot how to respond. Okay, 
So the meridians are absolutely fascial planes. You can dissect along them and you can visualize them according to the fascial planes. You know, if you think back, I always laugh because I, again, I studied Chinese medicine, I spent a lot of money and a lot of years of my life doing it. And you kind of just think the whole time that like some dude, like a Fu Manchu, just like came out of a cave and just like knew all this stuff, right? That it was just like, you know, some, some, you know, kind of Qigong master just like could see the meridians and all the points and they just knew the system of Chinese medicine. But the reality is like there was a lot of dissection that took place, right? And before you had precision instruments like a scalpel, dissection happened through how tissue would pull apart. Like, and again, I'm not trying to be gross if there's any, you know, vegans out there or anything, but like you get a rotisserie chicken and there's like, you know, you start pulling pieces apart. There's going to be natural ways that, that a body divides based on those fascial planes. Okay. So when you're dissecting with crude instrument, you can't find a hamstring tendon. If there's a continuum right up through the sacred tuberous ligament, but you're going to divide some of those larger pieces off with, with crude instrument, right? Or, or tearing tissue apart with your hands. So a lot of this stuff was mapped out through dissection with not using scalpels and precision instruments, right? With cutting tools that, that weren't as precise. But the fossil system absolutely is synonymous with the meridian system of Chinese medicine. That's fantastic. Yeah, I have studied applied kinesiology. And I gave Baldo the book. Um, Doug, I'm sure you're familiar with applied kinesiology. For people who aren't, yeah, for people who aren't, it was developed by a chiropractor uh, who was a chiropractor for the uh, Olympians in the 60s and 70s. And it was a combination of using chiropractic adjustments mixed in with uh, lymphatic neurovascular connections, also using the Chinese meridians to connect and communicate with uh, dysfunction amongst the body. And the reason we talked to Meridians and Baldo was asking the question earlier, so he studied chakras. And when he was asking about Meridians, he really wasn't familiar with Meridians. And I was like, that's interesting because as a chiropractor who treats the spine, I went to school thinking chiropractors treated the spine. I left thinking like we actually help protect the nervous system because the nervous system does everything. And we learned about fascia and you mentioned adhesions and all that. And the way we learned it too is exactly how you said, because there's nerve fibers in the fascia, it's almost like this electrocurrent microcurrent net that is circulating and covering your whole body as a tablecloth, right? And, and it's almost like if you remember Batman, the first one with Christian Bale, he was activating with through static electricity, his, his wings, Right. He was able to activate him through just electricity charges. And so I was telling Baldo one time, I was like, when I was learning applied kinesiology, I used to run my hand over the spine, like maybe an inch or two away from the spine when someone was face down. And you could feel over the chakras, the heat that was coming from the spine. And then you could also feel like a pushback of magnetism, like resistance, like like two batteries or two magnets that don't polarize together. Opposites, you know, attract, but polarized, they kind of go, you know, opposite, check uh, apart from each other. Well, whenever we would look at those and I'd feel that, I'm like, man, this is like, you can feel the energy right in the middle of the spine. And so the meridians were taught to say, well, that's the other part of the connection. You have to go out there 
and release not just the release of the spine itself, but you have to release the blockage like in the leg or in the fingers, you know? That's why there's acupuncture in the ears, right? There's so much pressure points and active points in the ear alone, you know, just for the nervous system. But the way I looked at acupuncture was it's one way to connect with the individual's nervous system, like almost like you calibrate with them, right? And that's why with the, right, like, because if you get the dry needling aspect, you start like basically turning and twisting into the Golgi apparatus, which is like the deepest part of the tissue fiber in the muscle. And what happens is a muscle can contract solely based off of an electrical charge, like a muscle contraction, right? And it could stay that way. We turn into a spasm. Well, like in traditional medicine, they say spasms, like they diagnose a muscle cramp as a spasm. And it's not really the case at all. It, 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 it right, exactly. So then, <laughs> so it's weird. You say like, all right, and I'm probably off on this, but I was taught like, okay, in order to relax the muscle, you go into the belly of the muscle and apply pressure to elongate the muscle fibers. Like that was one way to do it, right? That's called active release technique, deep tissue massage, you know, all that stuff, uh, Graston technique. But I was taught Graston for fascia. And I was taught kinesio taping for fascia. And when I started to learn about fascia, and you mentioned adhesions, I want to talk about this. I was mixing the fascia and the meridians and the chakra and the nervous system all together. And I was like, man, this is deeper than any of us understand. Like, this is way deeper than most practitioners probably even understand. Like, you'd have to be practicing the way you're probably doing, Doug, in clinic for 67 years. And still, you'll come across something you're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that the body could do that or is already capable of doing this. Like I got out of school and I was taught by a chiropractor to adjust meninges. And I was like, are you serious? Like the meninges, like I didn't even know you could connect in with them. Like, oh yeah, like they could be stuck in a certain position from a orthogonal perspective. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you've got cranial sacral therapy and, and you've got, you know, a lot of osteopathic techniques that are looking at, you know, the movement of cranial bones and the and the flow of, of cerebral spinal fluid and, and areas of high pressure, you know, because of lack of, of flow and, and lack of a proper, you know, sine wave and, and all of that. I mean, so this is one of the things that, you know, you, you threw out a couple different systems. And I always like to just draw this analogy because I think it helps to to wrap our heads around it, you know, you've got like the chakra system, you know, which kind of comes out of, of Ayurvedic medicine originally and out of India. And then you've got, you know, Chinese medicine. And, and even within Chinese medicine, we have five element theory or we have the six divisions and, you know, Zong Fu diagnosis. And we have all these different systems or the Bagua, which is the system of eight. You know, you have a system of six with the six divisions, a system of five with five element, system of seven with the chakras. You know, you have like the Kabbalah and the tree of life, which is a system of nine, right? So ultimately think of it as like dresser drawers, right? We all have outfits, okay? We're dealing with the same medium. It's the human body, okay? But if you have five dresser drawers, you're going to put your socks and underwear together, okay? If you have six dresser drawers, your socks and your underwear might get a, a, their own drawer, okay? How we divide things is just the opportunity for us to interact with them. And to have a system to categorize and to make sense. But the chakra system isn't necessarily different than the meridian system, which isn't different than the fossil system, which isn't different than, you know, we are one system of intelligence, which is the human body. Okay. 
And we can look at that through different lenses where we group things according to a system that allows us to say it's this versus that, right? But ultimately, all of these systems are just trying to make sense of an infinitely connected system. And so we find more parallels than differences when you really look at different healing arts, okay? Because we're all, again, dealing with the same system, right? The same, the same medium, which is the human body. One of the things that fascinates me is you talk about the complexity of computers all boiling down to zeros and ones, right? And it's like, how in the world? Like, you can send images that are high resolution through airwaves, right? Through Wi-Fi. And all it comes down to is you're communicating how many zeros and how many ones, right? It's patterns. So in the human body, we have a very similar system, okay? We have yeses and we have nos, okay? The autonomic nervous system, which is like you're saying, the spine is really just about regulating the nervous system ultimately. And within the autonomic nervous system, we're asking one question, we're asking it constantly, am I safe? And if the answer to that is yes, we go into more of a parasympathetic state where our systems start preserving and re restoring balance to the body. If we answer that question, no, we're not safe, we go into a sympathetic state where we are preparing ourselves to deal with, with a high demand situation, to deal with stress, whether it's being chased by a tiger or trying to you know, ace a math test, it doesn't matter. It's zeros and ones, okay? It's yeses and nos. The fascia is deeply connected to the autonomic nervous system. If we answer that question with a no, I'm not safe, the fascia stiffens and becomes less elastic, okay? And it does so to prepare us to fight or to run, okay? Prepare us for battle. If we answer that question, yes, we are safe, the fascia relaxes and becomes more visoelastic, okay? Like, like instantaneously, not like over time, but like right away. Okay, similarly, if we have a bunch of restrictions in the fascia, it's going to force the, it's going to ask the question more. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Because it's a bi-directional signal. So if the fascia is, 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 you know, if you've got overuse injury and pain in your elbow, right, and fascia restrictions, it's going to be telling the nervous system I'm not safe. So we get into, like, you think of, like, fibromyalgia and, and chronic fatigue and adrenal exhaustion and, you know, all these metabolic syndromes, even, even IBS. And, you, you know, you just get into all these syndromes and all of them are based on a feedback loop, on an access that's saying, you know, the nervous system is saying, I'm not safe. We have a problem. The connective tissue is responding to that problem with stiffness and inflammation. And before long, you're just caught in a loop right? Where the nervous system is way out of whack and, you know, and it, it ends up causing pituitary issues. You know, it ends up causing adrenal fatigue. It ends up causing systemic inflammation. You know, you, we don't get good circulation out to the extremities. It ends up affecting blood pressure and heart rate. It impedes lymphatic drainage. It decreases our immune response. It's just, it's like everything goes sideways when we get into this negative loop. We can just as quickly switch into a parasympathetic state and, and reinforce a positive access of reinforcement where we are continually turning on the parasympathetic response 
and getting the resources that the body needs and start the healing journey from literally like flipping a switch. Right. And that's, and that's the goal is for everybody is to find that paradigm shift where you stop the axis of, of inflammation and start, stop the axis of sympathetic drive and get them to shift and to downregulate into parasympathetic stimulation. And, and it's remarkable what the body is capable of doing when it's able to access that parasympathetic system. Yeah. You've mentioned already a few times in this episode, the idea of like, just, we just need to get out of the way. And it's crazy because we've had two other episodes today. One of them was the idea of like dreaming and like in a world of disappointment that came down to like, we just need to get out of our, of our own way. And then we had another conversation about business and allowing new opportunities or not allowing new opportunities. And it came down to the same thing about like, just get out of the way. And so much of it is like the same thing. I do definitely want to get back to this talk, but really quickly, because business health is also very important to us. And I want to get into that. You're franchising, you're going all over the country, right? Like, how was that process coming into like, obviously, this was your baby. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, this we need to serve more people. Well, that's it. You just said it right there. The drive. And believe me, man, I don't enjoy the the challenge of building what we built in like writing operation manuals and marketing strategies and like having to raise money and deal with the board of you know shareholders and like this stuff's hard, man. I went to Chinese medical school, bro. I was like, you know, I went to a Buddhist college. This is not, you know, you know, no formal business education. It's all just like figuring it out because what drives me is exactly what I started off saying is like we change lives on the daily. And so I work hard to try and protect all those and help all those patients that never would find us in Maryland or in Wisconsin or, you know, where some of our clinics are. So for me, it's like I can't be everywhere and I can't, you know, I have a limit as to how many people I can see. So educating others and mentoring other therapists has become my passion drive. So that more people have access. I mean, then we've even like, especially through COVID, and we've even like now created like a patient facing platform it's called SE Lab, which is learn and apply balance. That's just full of like tools and resources that people can use to try to improve their posture, to try to downregulate their nervous response, to get into that parasympathetic state, to take care of their fascia and to recover. And so it's driven by passion, but you nailed it as far as like getting out of our way. You have, again, zeros and ones, yeses and nos, opportunities and obstacles. Is When it comes to business, that's how I look at things, is you are going to be met with things that you didn't know that you needed to know yesterday, every day, right? That's business. That's being an entrepreneur, okay? Is every day you're going to go, oh man, I didn't know I needed to do that, right? You know, it's like, you know, like with whether it's taxes or, you know, a financial audit or whatever comes down the line. And so it's just about becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Becoming familiar with the fact that, that you're never going to have your arms around all of it at once. You're always going to leave the office every day feeling like, man, there's more that landed on my plate than took off my plate today. And you just kind of get comfortable with being in that space but the only way that you can do that without it burning you out and stressing out and freaking out and melting down and stroking out is to rejuvenate by downregulating your nervous system. 
So type A people that are like want everything to be perfect and, you know, just are go, 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 right? It works until it doesn't, until you're sick, until you're injured, until your adrenals shut down, right? So it really is the tie between effective business and health is like not two different topics at all. What makes you perform in work, life, and sport are the same things. And it's all about being able to restore and recover, right? Performance doesn't, the nervous system doesn't discriminate. Stress is like, it doesn't matter if it's emotional stress, if it's financial stress, if it's environmental stress, if it's mechanical stress, it affects the body in the exact same way. It doesn't discriminate at all. It's, it's yeses and nos, right? It's, it's on switches and off switches. You're either flipping the lights on or you're turning the lights off. And, and so it doesn't discriminate. It's a very simple system. So I love the business drive stuff. I mean, I'm actually like, we're actually starting a, another, I'm a, like a serial company starter. Right? I, I love to start companies. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm starting another project called MedGrow, MedGrowth Partners. And we've built so many resources with structural elements. We're using basically a kind of like a consulting firm. I don't like the word consultants and so we're growth partners. But it's like helping people that are disruptors and innovators in the healthcare industry, right? Helping them gain market share because the world is like, it's crazy. It's harder and harder to gain market share in healthcare because it's less and less about patient care and it's more and more about consolidation and big pharma and big hospital groups. And, you know, it's hard to survive in private practice, you know, and, and, and you know, to gain market share, it's you have to do some things right. So, I mean, starting with like how you, receive payments. Like we don't take insurance, right? And there's the reason why we don't do that. It's so that we can treat the body as the intelligent system that it is and not chase reimbursement, right? If we take insurance, then you have to treat within the diagnosis. So now you're a knee patient, right? Now you're a plantar fasciitis patient. Now you're a shoulder patient. And that's not how we see the body. So right away, like just fundamentally, we had to choose a business model that allows us to be effective. That directly impacts the outcomes in terms of direct patient care. So you're getting the business side right. You have a lot of <laughs> a lot of medical providers are just inherently terrible business people. Right? They just, you know, not only because they have a lack of education, but because they just, they just want to help people. Right. And but by just wanting to help, sometimes they don't put the infrastructure around them that actually allows them to help in the most meaningful way. And they kind of get tracked into a situation where their hands are tied. Yeah, I love the business side. I mean, I, we could spend hours talking about, you know, just just that aspect. But if anything specific that picked my brain on, I'm an open book. <laughs> well, we were talking about the business side as well earlier with someone. And we were talking about the all the obstacles a, that we were coming across when it came to being a cash run practice. Then we realized we're a cash run practice. We can pretty much do what we want now. So it kind of changed the approach in a sense that now I order and do things based off what the individual wants, right? And what we think would work for the individual. And what's allowed us to really mold ourselves into is we share the responsibility with our patients and clients, right? And I think that's something that people don't understand all the time. Traditional medicine doesn't really hold responsibility. Uh, for the practitioner as well as they hold the responsibility for the patient. They expect the patient to do exactly what they tell them to do. And sometimes the doctor or practitioner doesn't give any insight other than just show up. And when you show up, I'll get you better. If not, it's on you. And what's fascinating is I used to think 
chiropractors were healers. And I used to think acupuncturists were healers. And you said the healing arts. It's the art of acupuncture. It's the art of chiropractic that allows a person to do the healing for themselves. And so what it does is it just removes the barriers. Like Baldo said, right? You know, acupuncture removes the, the blockage to allow chi to flow through the body. And chiropractors say the same thing. We adjust the spine to allow to remove the interference so communication can travel through your nervous system. And you just step back and just see what happens with your body. You're like, well, can it help fix this? I'm like, I don't know. Let's find out. Because really, if your body is your best healer, then it has a lot of the tools you need already, right? Like acupuncture just brings out the energy. Chiropractic allows for more mobility. And, you know, we look at nutrition from what we do now and say, well, imagine if you had nutrition, if you had your acupuncture, you had your chiropractic visit, you got a maybe a mental well-being therapy session as well in there. You went to the gym, you got sauna, like all these things in combination, they go and they help the body function at a higher level. And when you think about in a cash-based service, which we're in, they're not patients, they're clients, which means not all of them are sick coming in, right? Some of them are saying, hey, I don't really have a lot of stuff going on with me, but that doesn't mean I don't know if there's something off. If it's not, can I take it to another level? I want to do more. I want to travel more. I, I haven't lived in pain for a while, but I want to do marathons. I want to do Ironman. I want to count. I want to climb this mountain over here. And so we look at the extreme measures that the human body can go through, and it's resilient. In fact, most people don't realize how strong the human body is and what's possible. And I think your practice, allowing that place to be there opens the space for someone's mind to be like, wow, there's another option out there to help with not just my back pain, but maybe my clarity and my cognition. Like this might even help my sleep, right? And then it takes it to another level, right? I'm very much a form dictates function school of thought. And and when you have physical balance, right? When you have, when your pelvis is aligned, when your spine is aligned, when you have neutral alignment of, of your eyes and ears, your auditory and visual fields, you are using your body much more efficiently than if you have structural imbalances. Just from a pure economics standpoint, you have gross metabolic inefficiency if you're out of balance. You are using and having to feed muscles, prime movers, to compensate for structural imbalance. And that puts a metabolic load on the body that's really inefficient. You have gaps in communication where you don't recognize when you have, whether it's viral or bacterial or even, you know, cancerous growths and things like that. I mean, cancerous growths, you know, oftentimes will start where there is pockets of interruption in the fossil layers. So you have this pocket that's not in communication with the tissue around it and you can have you know disease state that that forms you know where there's those breakdowns in, in communication and so it is like this like systemic effect when you start with something that is out of balance kicks off this kind of whole cascade effect and our patients they oftentimes come in because something hurts right like initial visit is you know low back pain initial visit is my knee hurts or i've got this you know, pain in my elbow. Okay, go see this guy. Great. So they come in, but then right away, again, we establish the active goal. And usually it's like three, maybe four visits before like their initial complaint is gone, right? And then they come in for maintenance, right? And their maintenance visits are between four and six weeks. 
And because it, it takes a few weeks for these focal adhesions to form. So even if you've gotten out of balance for a little while, the bad stuff doesn't really happen, you know, to the nervous system and abnormal loading of the joints with the formation of these adhesions until you've been out for a couple of weeks and tissue starts to really compensate. So if they come in between four and six weeks, we can usually just line them back up, you know, a little bit, it's fine tuning, right? And then you know, get them freed up again. But patients come in and they wear it like a badge. They don't say, oh, I'm here and like, man, I really probably shouldn't be here. Nothing hurts. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my money, right? Like, I don't even know why I'm here. They come in and they're like, I'm good, right? I'm great. Like, they can't wait to tell me that, right? And I feel, check my hips, check my hips. I bet I'm in alignment. I feel really good. It's like they pass the test, right? They come in for affirmation. Oh man, you're just, you're right where we left you. Good job. You know, you really held this time. That's great. Keep it up. You've been doing a good job. And then it's not that now we're just like taking their money and not providing a service. What we're doing now is we're like really going through with a fine tooth comb and we're getting the tissue even healthier. We're then pointing out, oh, you know, your hips stayed, but man, there's a little tightness in this right glute, you know? So now I'm going to teach you how to work on that with a foam roller or a massage ball, because that's where the wobble's starting right there. That's a little vulnerable. So we're going to work on that. And it just becomes preventative, right? And the more people become educated about their tissue and about how to maintain their soft tissue, the more that they are benefiting from fluid movement, they're more active. Like you said, they're sleeping better. Their digestion is better. They're absorbing more nutrients. We oftentimes teach people some neuro downregulation stuff. So they're spending more time in that parasympathetic state through good diaphragmatic breathing and from, from good posture. It's a game changer. It's breaking the cycle. And so cash practice, I talk to a lot of practitioners who are like flirting with it. You know, they're like, I really want to get out of the insurance game. You know, I'm just, I'm doing evals all the time. I'm not even really getting my hands on patients anymore. You know, I'm farming that out to all the mid-levels or to the techs and stuff. I really miss, you know, manual therapy. And, but I don't know how I would survive in a cash practice. The obstacle there is that you do have to educate your patients. But the reality is even from a pure economic standpoint, yeah, somebody might pay me 165 bucks for an hour treatment. Sure. But what's your copay? How many times are you going to therapy a week, right? What's your copay? You know, you're coming to see me once a month and you're getting better and you're staying better. What's your quality of life? Even just the time you're taking off of work for going to 10 sessions of therapy that's not moving the needle. When you compare it, it's actually pretty economical. It's a pretty inexpensive path to feeling a lot better. So the economics side of it requires some patient education and then just getting people to buy into, like there's a whole spectrum of health. If you're thinking about, I feel sick or I'm in pain and I wanna get out of pain. Okay, there's that side of thing. What's your body capable of on the other side? What's the opportunity to like, feel awesome, right? Like imagine that. Imagine waking up with like a bunch of energy and being excited about going and crushing it, right? I mean, there's like that whole other side of what's possible within the human experience that most people don't even comprehend that there's life outside of just feeling not terrible. And it's like, that takes education. You have to be like part motivational speaker sometimes. You know, you have to like really educate patients that that's possible. But that's where the good stuff is. Well, it allows you to be able to do that when you have the capability. Like 
I know for people who don't own a practice, you know, a cash practice means freedom, right? That means to where you are allowed to think outside the box, which means you become a better clinician. You become a better practitioner because when you're thinking outside the box, you get to be a sleuth, right? The body's a really complex collection of systems. And sometimes I feel like a mechanic, right? To where it's just like somebody brings it in their car and they're like, well, tell me what's wrong with it. And I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with it. We'll scan it. But are you going to do what you need to in order to fix the problem? Because I can't keep just kind of patching you together here, you know? And so the underlining issue is where the therapy comes into play. Like you said, we order labs, right? So labs are great ways. Hey, this is unbiased information about what's going on underneath your skin. This is not me. These are the labs saying it. What are you going to do about it, right? And so it motivates people. But long term, when you talk about getting someone really motivated about wanting to do something different about themselves, it's like what you said, feeling good, right? Do you want to feel good? Like, yes, I do. Are you tired of feeling like crap? I had a person today to say they don't know what it's like to feel good. They've never, ever felt good. Yeah, that's, and that's so sad, man. Yeah, it, you shouldn't have to go through that. And one of the things that we do with most people when they come in, it's probably what you do. You're talking to them and you're asking them, what is it that really you're coming here for? Your knee pain was the first step in the door, right? And that's what you talked about, that prevention. We talk about preventative medicine. And I say it's not preventative. It's more of like uh, optimization, right? Like performance, function. And it's not for athletes because we ask people, I'm like, how would you function better if you had a better night's rest? Like, of course, I would be able to think clearer the next day. I'd be a better worker, a better father. You know, I'm like, well, of course you would. Well, imagine if you did that every day. If you woke up every day and you just felt amazing the second you got up out of bed, what would it take to get you there? And do you want that? That's when you get real people to say, you know what? I want that. Yeah, I know you told me about my knee and all that, but what is it going to take for me to jump out of bed and not need coffee? So here's the thing is sometimes when people have been living in pain or they've been living in illness, it's almost like overwhelming. It's almost like too much for them to process like, okay, so not only am I stuck in this pain or am I stuck with this illness, but I can't even beat that. So how am I going to achieve all of the, the things that are on the other side of the equation? And what I really try to empower people with is that the pivot is so accessible and all it takes is this neuro down regulation to kick us into our healing response, which again, the mechanism there is, is parasympathetic versus sympathetic state. There's something that I pay a lot of attention to and cue my patients into, which is a, something called heart rate variability and heart rate variability is a wonderful measurement to look at kind of like our overall kind of wellness state. Right. And heart rate variability is the speed of our heart rate on inhalation versus the speed of our heart rate on exhalation. And the bigger that we have a gap, right, the higher the number, the more change there is between inhalation and exhalation is an indicator of being in a healthier state. If the heart rate variability doesn't change between inhale and exhale, it means that we're kind of stuck in the sympathetic drive. Right. And we're in a higher, higher stress state. But we can manipulate that. Like, I love the term like biohacks, right? It's like ways that we can outsmart 
the nervous system to override it through intentional intervention. And all we need to do is exhale longer than we inhale and we can affect that heart rate variability. We can affect that, that parasympathetic trigger. And so something as simple as like four, two, six breathing, right? Where you inhale for four seconds, hold the breath for two and exhale for six seconds. If you do that, like that simple of an exercise, right? Just that little breathing exercise. You're going to stimulate your vagus nerve, which is going to trigger a parasympathetic response. And you're going to downregulate your stress response. Costs nothing. You can do it at your office. You can do it during a math test. You can do it on a, a crowded airplane. It doesn't take anything special. But if you actually do it, it has a profound effect on your overall health profile, right? Laying flat on your back. We call it the traction exercise. Laying flat on your back with your knees bent, your chin tucked, arms, palms face up out to the sides and doing deep diaphragmatic breath for three minutes. It takes all the pressure off of your thoracic spine, which is where your sympathetic nervous system is located, and opens up the occiput and the sacrum, which is where your parasympathetic nervous system is regulated. The deep diaphragmatic breath stimulates the vagus nerve and puts you in a parasympathetic state. So it's like, doesn't cost anything, no special equipment. You lay flat on your back for three minutes a day. Most people can find three minutes a day, right? And it has a profound effect on your health if you actually do it. And that's the thing. I mean, it's like you can know all this stuff. Knowing is good. Doing is much better. And that's the challenge is getting people to commit, to give that time for yourself, right? Everybody says, oh, I'm so busy, you know, or I get on the floor. My dogs jump all over me. Well, close the door for three minutes. The dogs will survive. It's like take that time for yourself. If Once you convince people to invest in their health, it's like – They'll work hard to put money away for their retirement. So what? So they can afford health care when they're sick and when their you know, bodies are failing? Like invest in your health three minutes a day. It's the best investment you can possibly make with your time, you know, to prevent some of this stuff from happening. But that's the paradigm shift. You know, it's like it doesn't take a lot to pay attention to our posture. It doesn't take a lot to downregulate our nervous system. It doesn't take a lot to hydrate the connective tissue and to get the fascia gliding. But you actually have to be aware of it. You have to apply the tools and then and only then can you achieve balance. That's wonderful. I love that you gave those quick tips. It's funny because for me, I used to be a tennis athlete and I already started learning about breathing and meditating. And I used to remember like trying to like go for like a 10 mile run that we did for practice. And it's like, how quickly could I get where I can excel we were doing four two eight two it was tough to do it after a 10 mile run but that was like the game it's like how quickly like how many tries is going to get me to like to be able to excel at eight after i did the four and the two and it was tough but it was so interesting because some sometimes it was like oh i'm good now and then i'm gonna go just chill and have a good night's sleep because i had a late practice and it was presented to us as a game but at the same the ones of us that did took it seriously like would have like deep sleep yeah absolutely well, you know, the other thing, too, that is another topic that I really think is important to address is that stress is not a bad thing. Stress gets a bad name, man, but like, but stress is very critical to our survival. Stress is how we get stronger. Stress is how we build immunity. Stress is how we perform. So stress, don't have any delusion that you're ever going to get rid of stress. And if you did, it wouldn't be good for you. Stress is necessary. Okay, Stress is not a bad thing. But separates people from high performance again in work life and sport is how you deal with that stress 
And so there's two types of regulation. One is when you're in a high demand situation. Okay, and I always use the analogy. Two seconds left on the game clock. You're at the free throw line with the game winning shot. You know, balls in your hand. You're not going to run to half court and meditate. You're not going to run to half court and lay down and do traction. Hold on, time out. You know, ref, I need to, I'm freaking out here. I'm going to go meditate for a half hour. No, right? You have to take that breath and you have to center yourself and you have to downregulate in the moment to make the game winning shot. Okay. That's an appropriate response in a high demand situation. Right, recalibrating, rebalancing in real time while you're still in the high demand situation. The other is when you're not in the high demand situation anymore. How do you come down from the game? Right? How do you, whether you won or you lost, how do you let it go? And how do you say, okay, regroup, right? I'm not going to keep reliving the game. I'm not going to keep reliving the math test. I'm not going to keep being mad at the guy that cut me off on the highway, right? I'm home now. I'm going to be home. I'm going to be present. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to be present with my family. I'm going to nurture myself with a good meal and quality sleep. That's the finding that off switch when we're in a low demand situation, being able to bring our nervous system down to meet that low demand, right? Because if we're still way up here, that's when we're tossing and turning and not falling asleep. We're still way up here. That's when we're not digesting our food. When we're still way up here, that's when we're constantly burning out our adrenals and not getting any of that restoration. But forming a healthy relationship to stress is the difference maker between somebody that burns out and becomes injured or ill versus somebody that can perform at optimal. Sweet. Well, I mean, I want to continue chatting some more, but we're running out of time here. And I want to give you a chance to let the viewers know and the listeners know where they can find you, what to look forward to as far as what's going on with structure elements and anything else that you want to share with them. Our URL that has, you know, pretty much tentacles out to all of our social and, you know, all of our different projects and stuff is just structuralelements.com. The patient-facing platform that I talked about is lab.structuralelements.com, and that's 11 bucks a month. It's very low barrier. We actually will give a subscription for every subscription that was sold, so it's really about getting resources and tools to people to help them with that stress down regulation and to take care of their, you know, connective tissue and their posture, all the things that we talked about today. And then, you know, practitioners, you don't have to be in one of our brick and mortar clinics to be able to benefit from all of the education of learning the practice of structural elements, as well as all of the business resources and tools. We offer that through what's called becoming a network provider, an SE network provider. It's 149 bucks a month. That includes all of your education and tons of business templates and tools for running your practice. So we've really taken all of our heavy lift with our operations and broken it down into tools and templates that are super accessible and, and very helpful. And I'm an open book, man. My email address is Doug at structuralelements.com. If you have a question, hit my inbox. I'll get you an answer. So we're in it to try to help people be as active and to do the things that they're passionate about. And that's for me, that's what makes it a better world to live in is when people are active and moving their body and, 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 and feeling good, you know, so any way that we can support people in doing that, we're game. Well, thank you. I enjoy the conversation. Anytime I get a chance to go a little bit deeper into the nervous system and talk meridians, I mean, everything you said was perfect. I mean, you said it exactly. For people, the takeaway message at home, try to downregulate and stay within your parasympathetic state. Yeah. That's the key to health. Yeah, it's huge. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me. Of course. We'll chat soon.